The Urban Broadcast Collective brings together the best podcasts on cities and urban life. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Okay, so welcome to the Urban Broadcast Collective here at the Planning Institute of Australia's National Congress 2018 in Perth, Western Australia. And it's a pleasure, we've got uh, Jason Burton, let me check out the pr- correct pronunciation here, from Alzheimer's Australia. Uh, Alzheimer's WA. Alzheimer's WA, that's even better, so a, a local boy. Um, and Jason's just been giving a keynote basically looking at the issue of how planning and Alzheimer's, the intersections between those two issues. So welcome to the Urban Broadcast Collective, Jason. Thank you, pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming along. So. Before we get into the nitty gritty, can you just give us a little bit of information about who you are and what Alzheimer's Australia is? Sure. Western Australia. Sure. Um, so my background is in nursing originally, uh, but I've been a dementia specialist for about 30 years, um, working across a whole range of different environments, um, hospital, community, residential care. Um, and really about probably 10, 15 years ago, I really started to get interested in how the physical environment impacts on the lived experience of dementia. So about, so about that time, really started to look at how, what research evidence do we have around that? And also, where's the gaps in practice and knowledge that, that we might be able to fill? Alzheimer's WA is a state-based uh, dementia specialist organisation, and we have a very broad range of services and supports for people, from direct care services through to capacity building in education and consultancy work. Um, and that, part of that consultancy work includes design consultancy work so we work with architects and planners and local governments um, to bring some dementia expertise into their thinking and I mean speaking from a personal perspective my father has um, Alzheimer's now he hasn't lost his kind of cognition he's had a I suppose a a personality change Mm. he's living like he's a 25 year old Um, but can you give us a bit of an idea of kind of you know what are the fundamental planning issues here as it relates to you know different people with with uh, Alzheimer's? Sure um, I think just to start with just uh, for the listeners people often get confused between dementia and Alzheimer's um, so dementia is really an umbrella term that covers lots of different neurological conditions over a hundred different conditions one of those conditions is Alzheimer's disease and it's by far the most prominent type of dementia so people often get the two words kind of mixed up together yeah. but if we think of dementia as a, an umbrella term that covers a lot of conditions and Alzheimer's disease is a specific condition that's a type of dementia so I'll talk about dementia broadly because it affects you know lots of people other than people with Alzheimer's as well um, so in terms of what's happening in the brain for somebody with a dementia and it depends on what type of dementia as to what parts of the brain are getting damaged the first or, or the most, um, but things are happening within the brain that means that a person um, is really facing challenges in their day-to-day life um, from really navigating and making sense of a different world around them is how I like to describe it. Yeah. So um, they're the same person, but they're living in a different world in some ways. Um, and so when we think about the physical environment, it's really important for us to look uh, at what's happening within the physical environment for that person and how they're responding to that um, because it can have some really significant effects and I think historically when we've looked at uh, inclusive design, um, universal design, 
people with cognitive impairments haven't really been included in the conversation. So there's nothing in our Australian standards, for example, or our building codes around cognitive disability. Yeah, I mean, I think historically in planning issues around accessibility and mobility in, city, in cities, uh, there's been a, I suppose, a gender dimension to mm. it, particularly, you know, for example, women with children or parents with children, but essentially women with children. Mm. And so we think about curb stones, the heights of them, and you know, um, access points and stuff like this. Um, but that's for a very particular type of, mm. I suppose, abled body, but with you know issues in yeah. terms of navigating with two, three kids and, and prams and stuff. Um, so what's it in terms of cognition? Mm. You know, what's the sort of what the are big the different? What are, yeah, what, yeah. Well, I suppose what's the what's the difference between that type of group where planners yeah. are a bit more yeah, cognizant of yeah. and what we're facing now, basically? Okay, I mean, I think. Um, as I said, we've 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 been looking at disabilities in different different for different people in, in for a long time. That focus has predominantly been around mobility issues and sensory impairments, so visual impairment, hearing impairment, etc. But not really looking at the cognitive impairment that people face, particularly if you've got dementia. So we know, for example, that for many people with dementia, um, memory gets impacted um, and it gets disrupted. So the ability to uh, remember becomes very difficult. Right. The, the ability to learn new information, retain that information and then retrieve the information becomes really difficult. So when we look at somebody who wants to navigate through an environment, for example, wayfinding becomes a really key issue. Can I find my way through this environment? Because every time I use it, it's, it feels like a new environment to me. So I'm not, I don't have that memory retention or, or ability to recall it to actually give me the cues that I've been here before and I know my way through this yeah. space. So what cues are helpful uh, for people with dementia mm. then? I mean, what interventions would come in? Sorry, I just want to jump yeah. in and in terms of answering that question, mm. because I think it's a very good question, but what are also the key spaces? Yeah. You know, so where, where are the where are the target spaces for these kinds yeah. of interventions? And then Paul's sure. question as well. Okay. So I guess one of the um, one of the things that we're trying to address is this uh, perception that when people think about somebody with dementia they think of a very old very frail person in a nursing home that needs lots of care okay so there's a very strong public perception that when you hear the word dementia that's the image that pops up in your head now of course that's not the case for majority of people with dementia um, you know people live with dementia for many 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 years from from point of early symptomology to um, to dying can be 10, 15 years, sometimes longer. So we're talking about a long period of yeah. time here. So the other thing that we need to combat really is that 70% of people with dementia live at home. Okay, so again, there's a perception that all people with dementia are in aged care. Reality is 70% of them live at home. So they're still accessing their local shops and they're still wanting to go to the library and they're still wanting to have a walk around the park um, and do all the things that anybody wants to do they're still in their community and want to be a part of that community so when we talk about what spaces is, is this relevant to it's really all spaces so yeah yeah which is sort of what i was quietly figuring here mm. and it's so so it's a, almost a, in a sense it's both a communal and an individualistic issue very much so so you know it can be you know how we adapt somebody's home um, and there's lots of things that you can do to adapt your home to make it more enabling for somebody with dementia through to okay we're now outside the front door What's the streetscape? What's the local park like? Is, does, does that provide access or not for them? Um, through to, okay, they're now going to the shopping mall. Is that a good place for them or not a good place? Is the design of that actually enabling them or is it disabling them? Oh, 
Um, so your talk here at uh, at the PA Congress, um, can you give us a flavour of what you were? What was your big message in that? Um, um, I think really the big message is awareness at this point. Uh, in terms of cognitive impairment and how we might design on a larger urban stroke planning scale is really, really in its infancy. So we don't have a lot of research in this space. Uh, we don't have a lot of good examples in this space. Um, we don't have a lot of literature or resources in this space. So it's, you know, we've, I think traditionally in dementia design, and again, it's really only the last 25 years that, that the physical environment for people with dementia has really been looked at. So it's still quite a new space. Yeah. And we focused to start with on aged care. Um, because that's again that perception that people yeah. with dementia are there so you know the first probably two decades of, of dementia design has been about how do we design residential care homes and day centers better um, it's only now in the last five years I'd say that people are realizing that people with dementia are at home and that they you know they want to access their community yeah. so how do we do that so really my talk today has been around raising awareness of the issues and how dementia impacts somebody and then how might we start to bring that thinking into how we do urban planning yeah. i know that um i mean there is some literature in the uk more from a kind of a social policy perspective for example so tim blackman yep. you might be familiar with um and he's done some stuff around that home territory for yep. example and neighborhood territory so yep. you know from once you open the the front door and you're going to go out to do your everyday stuff um but it's not a thing in plan in, in the planning literature you know planning scholarship in australia no it's it's as or i say globally not even globally it's it's it is really it's really a greenfield space in that um as i said there hasn't been a lot of focus on it there hasn't been a lot of um evidence gathering around it and we haven't even got trial examples that are particularly great that we can go well you know, let's look at that and see if it's working well and why right. it's working well. So it, it is a really early stage of, of development. And really, I think at this awareness stage, as I like to call it, yeah. um, it's about, you know, raising, raising the knowledge base of planners and designers to start to think about, okay, what's happening for somebody with dementia? If I design this in this way, what impacts might that have positively or negatively on the person? So it's a very early awareness stage at this point in time before we can actually start to show really good practice of how they can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, uh, as academics, obviously, you know, you mentioned the, the research mm. word, the big R word. So, I mean, I'm into, it's intriguing that it, even globally, mm. it's, it hasn't been picked up in kind of urban planning and, you know, either in scholarship or in practice in a big mm. way because we do have... I mean, major concerns here in Australia, the um, productivity, the intergenerational kind of, uh, report, for example, mm. about ageing and the, the, the tsunami of issues which are going to come with that. And yep. Alzheimer's, stroke dementia are, you know, their mm. headline yep. issues. So it's surprising that we're lagging on this. It, it kind of is. But again, I mean, the, after being in this 30 years, you kind of <laughs> see that these things take time to evolve. 30, 30 years <laughs> is a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, you know, we're, we're only just in the last probably four or five years is government and, and public and media really starting to pick up on 
how much of an impact and what the opportunities are. Because I think we, we always look on it as a negative thing. We've got this massive aging population and it's a tsunami of greenness yeah. and it's going to cause major problems. It's actually good that we're all living longer. Um, but it does bring some challenges and it does bring some opportunities for doing things differently. So, for example, we know from some really good research that's been done over the last few years about what can help reduce the risk of developing dementia. So, you know, we, we know that if you, if you do good physical exercise regularly, you keep really socially active, um, your diet, etc., etc., then the risk of developing dementia is going to be much less. Yeah. So when we think about urban planning, not only do we want to plan for if you've got dementia, but the Healthy City initiatives and those sorts of things are actually really beneficial to reducing the number of people who yeah. will be diagnosed with dementia. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, bringing it back to the personal, mm. I mean, when I, I kind of look at my dad. I mean, my dad, he doesn't drive, mm. doesn't have a driver's license, never had one, but he walks everywhere, yep. you know, yep. and I mean, he's... He's had his medical and stuff done, and he's got the heart of a bull, basically. Mm. And I do think, you know, hit the f- and he's very sociable. Yep. You know, and those two factors that you mentioned, I think, is kind of, you know, when I kind of reflect on it just very personally, mm. not medically or expert-wise, I think that's been extremely beneficial in him being able to yep. manage or stave mm. off the severity yep. of basically what he's yep. going through in yep. many senses. Yep. So yeah, and that's and we certainly see that. We certainly see that people who are more active and more engaged and and take a positive approach to the diagnosis. And it's not a good diagnosis. That, you know, I'm not sugarcoating it, but you know, it does it does make a difference to the the lived experience then of the dementia. And if we can actually design to give people the opportunities to continue to go to the shops, you know, and get home safely. Um, or even just ha- what your experience is when you're in that environment. So let me give you an example. So we, we did a big survey a few years ago um, across the state of what it's like to live with dementia in WA. And one of the things that I kept hearing over and over at the cafes that we ran was, I'm okay finding the toilet in the shopping mall, but I can't find my way out again. Because what, what the design had done was the design the signage to get you to the toilet which yeah. is the logical thing because if you don't have a cognitive impairment the theory is you'll remember how you got to the toilet so therefore you'll remember how yeah. to get out again if you've got a cognitive impairment that learning hasn't happened and so once you get to the threshold of the toilet out into the corridor you're then faced with two usually two options turn left turn right there's no queuing at all about which way you should go. So I was hearing time and time again people ending up in the store cupboards yeah. because they turned right instead of left. You're right. Um, so that's just a really simple example of just a simple sign that says shops this way would have totally addressed that problem. Now, yeah. why is that Why is that such a big issue? Well, because if you find yourself in the store cupboard once or twice, you start to get a sense of failure, you start to get a sense of, of uh, concern and you're much less likely to go and use that space again. Yeah. Is it so, kind of self-stigma kind absolutely, of kicks in in yeah. a way? Really? I must be getting really bad because I can't even get out the toilet now. Yeah. So, you know, and then it's like, oh, it's all too hard. I'm just going to close the front door and stay here. Is there any um, role here for assistance animals? Certainly, um, there has been uh, a, a couple of projects in Australia looking at assistance animals for people with dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this relatively small scale from a research point of view, but um, there certainly seems to be benefits, both in companionship, which is a really important thing, but also in some practicality stuff like wayfinding um, around that. It's still too early to say who it works for and, and how mm. well it works, because I said these are relatively small projects that have happened, but it, it is being looked at for sure. 
Yeah, that's interesting because I, I mean, traditionally people think of assistance animals in, in, in one primary way, which is guide dogs assisting people who have who are fully blind or you know have impaired sight. But I mean, we're increasingly seeing assistance dogs and and, and, and and companion animals and assistance animals being used in a variety of of care settings. You know, people with autism, people with mobility uh, impairments, and yeah, so on and anxiety, so forth. So anxiety. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, the, the the care animal thing that's there, or the comfort animal thing that's a whole another. Yeah. Um, emerging frontier but i'm just interested yeah. to yeah so, yeah, not, so not yet basically not, well i mean as i said there are there are some there are startup projects that have been running for a couple of years now in australia and and in other countries as well been running a bit longer and there has certainly been shown to be some success in in that um so it, it's certainly one solution i mean there, there will be no one solution for everybody yeah and i think that's the point that we're trying to get here is that um you know if we can get really good design we can get really good support systems um and we can get you know things like assistive dogs for those who would benefit from them and we have this wide range of options to live well with dementia then we will start to tackle this in a different way and our communities need to come together to do this because with the best will in the world the number of people that are going to develop dementia by 2050 our government cannot deal with this it cannot afford it and it, it, it won't be able to respond so the communities have got to start to do that so for example here in WA we're starting to work with um local government and shopping centers to put on memory cafes you know and these memory cafes are just safe spaces in a normal shopping center in a normal cafe happen once a fortnight the person with dementia and the the person who's caring for them can come along have a coffee share some peer-to-peer support with each other in a normal environment probably in the shops they always go to anyway and we train the staff in how to best support the person whilst they're there the local government does the infrastructure around the marketing but we don't rely on any government money to run it there's no eligibility testing for it it's a community response um, and I think as communities, we're going to have to do that more and more to, to face up to these challenges yeah. of the number of people yeah. with dementia. You mentioned that your objective has been about raising awareness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, among, amongst planners and presumably other policymakers. Yeah. Um, you hear at this conference, obviously, mm-hmm. that they very directly speak to planners. What, what kind of response um, have you got here, for example, and more broadly, what kind of traction sure. do I you mean, think you're getting with the planning profession? Yeah, it, it's really interesting because this is really our first go, um, to be honest. Uh, we've done, As I said, we do a lot of work with architects, yeah. but that's about buildings predominantly. Okay. Um, and this is really our first foray into this space. So we were not sure, and I, I, I presented with Rabina Crook from Hassels, um, and we, we weren't sure. We thought we might get five people in the room or we might get ten people in the room and we had all this great workshopping material to do with a small group of people. The room was full. Excellent. At the standing Excellent. room only. Um, and that was kind of, I guess, really validating that there, there is an interest here. Like yourself, a lot of people are personally affected and that makes a difference. So I, I did ask the audience and I said, you know, can you put your hand up if you are personally affected by dementia? Um, and 95% of the room put the hand up. Yeah. So, you know, so there's a motivated is, is a, group there. It is very real. <laughs> it's very real tangible, for people. They understand, they're issue. seeing firsthand what's going yeah. on. And then from their professional background, they're going, okay, I've never really thought about what I'm seeing happening here in my family yeah. and how as a professional, I, I might start it, to be able to influence. Impacts the built environment. Things. Yeah. Like so, it, so I think, you know, from our point of view at Alzheimer's WA, this opportunity has been brilliant because we, we have a, a website called, uh, the, the website is enablingenvironments.com.au and we built that about seven years ago um, with Professor Richard Fleming at, at the University of Wollongong. 
really to start to put resources and ideas together for people because there was so little out there. And so we now have this um, amazing website that's just so rich in, in information and, and, um, and it's been really well utilised. And we have a section on there called Urban Design with a coming soon on it. <laughs> so it's always been a, it's always been an area that we've wanted to yeah, do some work yeah. in, but because we've had so little, I guess, research and, and experience and opportunity, it's been sat there for quite yeah. a few years waiting to come. Yeah. Um, and really, we're hoping that this is the first step to actually starting to yeah. put some stuff together that will the industry will find yeah. useful. Now, a lot of our listeners are are academics. Yep. Um, a number of them are in the kind of the healthy planning mm. type space. So, got a bit of an opportunity here in terms of kind of broadcasting I suppose your research needs are the Alzheimer you know WA mm. and all the the other state uh, bodies mm. basically I mean in terms of planning what are your fundamental research needs because there may be you know some of our listeners might be able to sure. come forward to you yeah. in some way and, and vice versa they'll you know you might be able to kind of you know yeah. reach out to them some way yeah. so what in pl- in the planning terms mm. what's what kind of what research, research do you I, think that's fundamental? That I, I think there's two areas, really. One is uh, a much better understanding of the day-to-day lived experiences of a, of a bigger population group. So we, you know, anecdotally, I've spent lots of time with lots of people with dementia over the last 30 years. So I, I, I see how people respond. And, but to be able to get a much bigger population group and get that experiential learning um, I, I did a session uh, when we launched our Dementia Friendly Communities project here in WA and I had a lady um, who had a particular type of dementia where her spatial perception was really impaired um, and you know we, we, we did a walk around the cultural centre for the ABC while they filmed it um, and it was fascinating to just be alongside her through her eyes of what she was seeing and we don't really have a great evidence base other than anecdotally of the individual that we've worked with to say these are the really really key issues that keep coming up time and time again when we do interviews with people with dementia about what's working in the built environment and what isn't so that's the first part we need really is is what is that lived experience and what are the the the, the top five or ten key issues and then we need the research to follow up with okay what do we do to address those issues and what works yeah you know what what is it that we can change so when we talk about signage you know, we talk about having symbols and, and words because some people lose the ability to lose the to read the word, so the symbol part becomes really important. Yeah. Or some people might not recognise a symbol, but they'll still be able to read the word. So you're trying to get as many cues into the sign as you can. Um, but but what we don't know is really what size that needs to be and what the colour contrast really should be and what should the font best font be for that. Yeah. And, you know, we just don't have that level yeah. of detail of evidence right. okay. to be able to. I mean, we you know we talk about what makes a good sign yeah. but that's from the experience we've had of knowing what works and what doesn't yeah. we don't have really strong evidence bases and the problem with that is you know I was involved in in, in sitting on the Australian Standards Review of the Disability Access Standards um, but all of that has to be evidence based so we can't get this stuff into the Australian Standards because we don't have a strong enough evidence base behind okay. it so there's a whole range of reasons why we need the researchers to get involved in this space um, that ultimately is about you know building a really good evidence base being able to confidently improve practice and decision making that will lead to the best outcomes for people with dementia okay and and so you i mean you were saying basically that by 2050 the problem is going to be absolutely chronic Mm. um and we're now 2018 so Mm. 
that research really needs to get underway pretty soon because we're going to need to be doing longitudinal work. And Absolutely. I mean, we've known this has been coming for since the 1950s, so we shouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, but of course, like most things, we're kind of short-term thinkers, and, and so we don't really plan for the future until the future gets here. The future's now here. So we've known this bell curve of people living with dementia is coming for a long, long time, um, and I've seen it edge its way over the 30 years, closer and closer to the start of the bell curve, and now we're on it. Yeah. Um, so this, there's a significant prevalence increase year on year on year from now right up to 2050. Um, so you're absolutely right. We need to get onto this and we need to get onto it quickly because, you know, not only is the number of people with dementia growing, but the the, the demographics and the, the way people live is changing. So the, the previous generation or the generation before them of people with dementia were, lived there, live quite differently with the illness mm. than this generation. This generation are informed. They're used to making decisions. They're used to being in control. They want to stay at home. They want to keep doing, living as good a life as possible. They want all of that stuff, and they expect it. <laughs> so, you know, it's a very different uh, mindset of this group of people with sure. dementia than the previous populations I've worked with. And quite rightly so, and, and it gives us, again, a great opportunity to now start to address some of this stuff. Okay, so um, Jason Burton from Alzheimer's WA. I'll get it correct this time. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely fascinating uh, issue here and challenges for uh, for planners, urban designers uh, to think about basically uh, what is probably going to be one of the fundamental, uh, not only health issues, but social policy issues, public policy issues uh, facing Australia in the next generation, basically. Indeed. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Excellent. Um, Fantastic. Okay. So we'll blast. We'll get a photograph as well. Sure. We'll, we'll blast that out on Twitter. And you are you on? Are oh, you guys on outside of WA? Will be 